0: Deciding to run away from home, and uh, somebody stopped him and said, "Why? Where are you going? Why are you Why are you running away from home?" And he said, "Well, mom and dad just won't mind me anymore." I heard another young man talking about uh, running away from home. He said, "I only ran away once." Um, he said, "I left." At about three in the afternoon but he said i was back by 5 30 and supper was ready you know things happen occasionally to make us feel unappreciated and unwanted and um like we don't belong and there is a childlike response to some of those incidences that moves us to want to be like a tom sawyer type character uh to say hmm i'll show them i'll just i'll just run away and then see how they like it but then there's another side of that, a different perspective. Have you ever experienced the feeling of of not being comfortable or not at home no matter where you're at? I was thinking, in fact, I kind of wanted to sing it tonight, but it's not in in our book. I can't. Feel at home in this world anymore. (laughs) There, I've certainly been in those situations where you just really are not comfortable. I've been in, I've been in homes, in 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 traveling and evangelistic work. I, as a family, we enjoyed being in homes where. it was just kind of country, you know what I mean? We, uh, no, no pretension, no, um, nothing too fancy, but just plain, down-home people with plain, down-home cooking, and that's just really what made us feel comfortable and at ease. But occasionally, there were kind. People who were good people, I don't want to, you know, not suggesting they were not good people, but people who were a little more well-to-do than others, and whenever they had you over for a meal, um, they felt like it was what they needed to do to put on the very best they had, and, and in some cases, it was very good. But, you know, when you're sitting there trying to figure out which fork you start with or what utensil to use, I'm just not comfortable with that. By the way, if you ever find yourself in that situation, you start from the outside and work your way in. That's the, that's the rule. I've, I've learned that, but um, still, I'd rather just country, If you've ever wondered why sometimes you don't feel completely at home, it's because you're not. It's because you're not. I want to talk to you for a little bit this evening, and we may come back to this topic another time, but talk to you a little bit about Christians as exiles, Christians as exiles, and I am going to, as I heard one preacher say, I'm going to take a text from which to depart, and... uh, we'll see this is what i'm saying is this is more of a topical sermon and not uh, expository so hope you'll excuse that hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14 for here we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come here we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come I don't know how many of you have looked at the topic of exile in the Scriptures, but it's an interesting topic to, to look at throughout God's Word. It is a topic that we see uh, that runs throughout the Scriptures. In fact, if we go over just a few pages from Hebrews to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter begins his letter by saying this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. To those who are elect exiles. Then he closes his letter over in 1 Peter chapter 5 like this 1 Peter chapter 5, verse. Uh, 12 he says by sylvanus a faithful brother as i regard him i have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of god stand firm in it she who is at babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings the interesting thing is that babylon did not exist as a city at the time that peter was writing his letter so what was he saying Well, he's referencing the Babylonian exile of God's people, the Israelites, that we read about in the Old Testament. He's saying that God's people were known as exiles in the earlier days of Israel's history. And that even then, as Christians, after the birth of the church... And uh, the dispersion, he mentions that in chapter 1 and verse 1, how God's people uh, were, were spread out throughout various parts of the world at that time. Uh, and he says, I'm, I'm writing to you from Babylon. Not the actual Babylon, but the figurative Babylon, the symbolic Babylon. And he's saying to them that we are exiles in this world. We are in a place where we are not at home. You see, an exile is someone who was forced out of their home country and is now living somewhere else. An exile. I could say that I'm an exile from Ohio, but I guess in Ohio I would have said I was an exile from Tennessee Before that, I don't know, I guess before that, I I was from Indiana. So I've lived in all of those states and traveled through most of the others. So I'm not really sure where I belong. Nowhere, really, in this world. But we are exiles. Christians as exiles are, first of all, spiritual exiles. The idea of being an exile begins all the way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. You see, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we read about the creation of the world, how God made the world out of nothing, and he filled it with plants and animals, and he made man in his own image And gave him dominion, it says, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over every creeping thing. God blessed the man and the woman, male and female, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing. Genesis chapter 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. To work it and keep it. In other words, God says, This is to be your home, this is where you belong, and in this place I will come to you and will walk with you and talk with you. And the Bible indicates that, that was the that was what commonly happened. They were in a place where they were comfortable, where they were at home. They were with God, in a relationship with God, and in right relationship with each other. You know, it's interesting how when you get things right this way, you are then able to have things right this way. The vertical relationship, the right relationship with God helps us to have right relationships with each other. And that was their state until we read about the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, and they sinned. And the result of that sin, not to go through all of the details, but just to kind of skip to the end, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22, says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. In other words, he went into exile from the Garden of Eden, from that place which was meant to be his home, where everything that he needed was provided for, where he was in right and intimate relationship with God and with, uh, with each other. And now he's pushed away from that. This now describes the state, the condition into which all of mankind is born into this world. We come into this world in spiritual exile that is separated from God. God. And the rest of the Bible really is a story of recovery. It is a a story of God working to provide a way for humanity to come out of exile and back home to himself. There are pictures of this throughout Scripture. In fact, when God gave Moses the instructions for building the tabernacle, all of the, the, uh, the decorations and the, the engraving, everything that was to be in the, uh, in the tabernacle, they were intended to be images that would remind them of the perfect state of paradise that was their original condition when man dwelt with God in the Garden of Eden. In fact, the Bible in Genesis chapter three, it says he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, so, so the east God pushed him out. I'm, I know I'm probably not actually pointing east, but just, you understand, I am? Oh, okay, all right, thank you. Uh, I wasn't sure, That's, that was on accident. Um, to the east they they left and at that point god placed the cherubim with the flaming sword the the tabernacle was always to be set up with its interest facing to the east so that whenever those who were worshiping and the priest, whenever they entered in through the entrance of the tabernacle, they were symbolically retracing the steps of Adam and Eve out of the garden and away from that relationship with God, retracing that that trip back into that place of, of paradise and right relationship with God. And you see that in, in a variety of ways throughout Scripture. Um, and, and we see the, the story of exile as it, as it just continues. Um, it, it kind of begins with Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham and called him to do what? to leave his home and his family and go to a place that I will tell you of when you get there. And Abraham began his mostly nomadic existence to go to a promised land. That story continued with Jacob and Jacob for some time in the land that God promised until, uh, until famine came and they went down to Egypt for 400 years. Again, we find God's people not living in the place where they are intended to live, living rather in exile. And then when God's people become the nation of Israel, again, they live for a period of time In this place, where they are in their land, where where God uh, had had provided for them, had had uh, given them this place with houses they didn't have to build and crops they didn't have to plant, and all of this, and because of their failure to walk with God and obey Him, God sent them away from that land into exile into Babylon, spiritual exile. Spiritual exiles are people whose true home is in intimacy with God and they are kept away from intimacy with God or right relationship with God. Now, I am thankful that this is something that is provided for in the here and now. We do not have to live in spiritual exile. Thank God for His Son, Jesus Christ, who came, who made the way that we can come back home. I was thinking of the story of the prodigal son, that young man who asked for his share of his father's inheritance and then went out into a far country and wasted it in riotous living. And when he finally came to himself, he said, there are servants in my father's household that have plenty to eat, and here I am wishing to fill my belly with the food that these pigs are eating. And he said, I will arise and go back to my father's house. And when he went, he found that his father was looking in his direction, waiting for him to come home. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we can go home? We do not have to be a spiritual exile. But there's more to this idea of being an exile for the Christian than just spiritual exile that is taken care of through Jesus Christ. There's also the idea of being a cultural exile, a cultural exile. I see this first in Noah and his family when we read about the flood in Genesis chapter 6 and then 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, it's interesting how we have to kind of put these details together from various places in the scripture. I went first to Genesis 6 and 7 uh, to read about Noah preaching to the to the people in the area where he lived and warning them about the flood, but you don't really find it there, but you find it in 2nd Peter in chapter 2 where it says he was a herald or a preacher of righteousness. And for 120 years as he was working on his project, that God had given him, building the ark, there were warnings, I'm sure, not just from the mouth of Noah, but every, every blow of the hammer, every, uh, every buzz or grind of the saw as they cut the wood or, or whatever tools they used, served to speak to the people around Noah and his family that these people are different over here. Noah, what are you doing? What is that in your driveway? It's a boat. What's a boat? An ark. What's an ark? Well, Noah said, It's going to rain, children. It's going to rain. And they said, Rain? What's rain? And all the process of telling the story and trying to explain. And Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. That that people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And... I understand that the book of Genesis talks about how wicked and sinful the people of Noah's day were and I believe they were but when Jesus spoke about it it's interesting to me that he did not talk so much about the sinfulness of humanity at that time. He spoke about them just going through their ordinary routines of daily living and the things that people do when they are comfortable and at home. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage as if we're just going to be here forever. People, we as Christians cannot afford to get too comfortable in this world. I am confident that that's one of the reasons God gives us sometimes trouble and problems and difficulty in our life. Because if every moment of our life was smooth sailing and we had no problems, we might just get too settled in our lives here, too comfortable in our routines without any motivation to want to cause us to prepare and look for a better world, a better home. Remember, friends, here we have no continuing city, but we look for a city that is to come. I think about Jacob and his sons in Egypt. Do you remember when Joseph had already gone ahead of his family? I'm not going to go through the story of Joseph, but when finally they were reunited and, and uh, Joseph's family was brought down to Egypt, Jacob and his, and his other sons, and they were shepherds the scripture tells us and so the the egyptians they were kept separate because the the profession of herding cattle or sheep or whatever animals they had that was was detestable to the egyptians and so there was this there was this separation they were kept at a distance in a sense they were cultural exiles They were in a place where they knew they were not like the people they were around, and they could not be at home. I think of Israel in Babylon. After uh, the the fall of uh, Jerusalem and uh, the people were taken away, Israel found themselves, many of the people anyway, found themselves in Babylon. They were exiles there. We read about this mostly in the book of Daniel how Daniel and his friends were there. And it's very clear that when Nebuchadnezzar took the best and the brightest away from Jerusalem, away from Israel, and brought them to Babylon, he's, he's saying to himself, I'm going to conform these guys away from, separate them from their culture, separate them from their home, and we will turn them into Babylonians. That was was the aim, the intention. We're going to give you Babylonian names, and they did. And we're going to give you Babylonian clothes to wear, and they did. We're going to teach you all of the learning and the education of the Babylonians, and they did. But Daniel and his friends only allowed that to go up to a point when it came to a matter of pressing them into the culture that they found themselves in, and it defiled their conscience. They said, no, we can't go that far. We can't do that. And that was the point at which they became resistant. I think of Psalm 137, where it says, We hung our harps on the willow because we couldn't, we didn't, we couldn't, we didn't have it in our hearts to sing anymore. And our captors said to us, Sing us one of the songs of Zion, entertain us, play for us. And they said, How can we sing? the songs of Zion in a strange land. And that psalm, Psalm 137, goes on to say, if I forget Jerusalem, then let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth and let my right hand forget its, its profession or the way that it's supposed to work. Um, not an exact quote, of course. But in other words, they're saying, we are not at home here. We don't belong here. And the truth is, friends, there's no solution for this cultural exile in this world. We live every day as cultural exiles. And just like I'm going to I want to go to it because I want to make sure that we get the sense of it. It's on one thirty seven. Verse 5, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. We ought to be saying the same thing about heaven. We ought to be saying the same thing about the kingdom of God, about our eternity with God, that God help us if we ever forget That we don't belong here, we belong to another world, we belong to another kingdom. We're cultural exiles. But we are also exiles in time. In time, what do you mean by that? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. The Apostle Paul says this, I'll begin begin with verse 17. is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ you see friends we live in a now but not yet kingdom a now but not yet kingdom when jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom the gospel was this that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and and what he was saying is not that it's coming that it's on its way he's saying it's here and you can step into it right now god's kingdom is here god's kingdom began with jesus christ but there's also another aspect of the kingdom of god that is not yet fulfilled and so we as Christians live in this time of in-betweenness. Yes, we are now a part of God's kingdom, but God's kingdom while it has begun has not yet come to fulfillment. It's not yet come to fruition. You see, we live as part of a future kingdom. And in this way we live as time exiles our true home is in a future time period that has not yet come it is when jesus returns but now we are stuck in this time before he returns this period of in between and so we are called on to live as kingdom people we are called on as christians to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven to live as if we're already there even though we're not quite already there. You see, this mentality should inform the decisions that we make, the way that we live, the, the, the values that we live by, uh, the way we live in front of our friends and our family members, We live as we wait our return from exile that will only completely happen when Jesus Christ returns to earth. And while we live in this place where we're not completely at home, we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, though we're not yet there. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, there's some good advice in Jeremiah chapter 29. And we may come back to this passage and dig into it a little bit more. But Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7, is addressed to God's people in exile. And it gives us a pretty good idea, I think, of how we ought to live as citizens of heaven who are exiles in this world. Jeremiah 29 and verse 4, we read this. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And we'll come back another time to talk in a little bit more detail of maybe what that would look like for us. Let's stand